Take your seats. Praise the Lord. We started last week talking about greater glory, and we're going to continue along these lines tonight. I want to start out just by reminding you about some definitions of, of the glory. The glory is a Hebrew word for kabod, and it le- literally means manifest presence of God. Heavy and weighty with everything good. This morning in the 11 a.m. service, pastor under the unction of the Holy Spirit started talking about being heavy and weighty with the glory of God. But that too many of God's people were heavy and weighty with cares and burdens and heavy and weighty with bad stuff. No, we're not supposed to be weighed down with the things of this world. I know we face difficulties. Anybody face any tough times? Maybe even this week. Maybe even today. These things in life come to all of us. And they can try to get on us and weigh us down. What are we supposed to do with cares? According to 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast our cares over upon the Lord. And don't get heavied out and weighed down with cares and worries. But what are we supposed to be heavy with? Heavy with the presence of the Lord. Years ago, my brother was holding a meeting in a little church and and they didn't know much about uh, being filled with the Holy Spirit and people being slain in the power of God. So he gave this altar call for people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And he told him now, he said, now, you know, the Holy Ghost is going to come on you. You are going to feel his presence. You're just going to feel like heavy and weighty with the presence of God when you receive. Well, hey, this is a little church. They didn't have good ushers like we have here or, or people catching. And, and so this one lady, she fell under the power of God kaplump on the floor and she just started speaking in tongues and then this other lady fell on top of her but the one that had already fallen down was oblivious that somebody was on top of her so after she got filled with the Holy Ghost she jumped up she goes wow you know Reverend Ricky that Holy Ghost he really is heavy and weighty it felt just like somebody was laying on me Well, somebody literally was laying on her. But you know what? There are times in his presence that he just comes on us like he did tonight. And it can literally feel like a cloak, like a a warm sensation of just God is in this place. And God is manifesting himself to me. Now, one commentary said that the word glory is such a power-packed word that we need lots of words to describe it. And let me give you some of the words that he used to describe it. Wealth, numbers, commerce, power, authority, wisdom, promotion, superiority, splendor, magnificent, I like that one, nobility, dignity, extraordinary privileges and advantages. You might say, well, what in the world does the glory of God have 
to do with numbers and have to do with well you know the first mention of the glory of God what had to do with God telling Abraham I'm going to make you rich my presence is going to come upon you and I'm going to give you an abundant supply anybody in here open to that we're not seeking money but God wants to bless his people why does he want to bless us why does he want to give us well we say it all the time here so we can be blessed to be a blessing our motive is not oh get 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 our motive should be give 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 amen and so God knew he could trust Abraham with wealth because he knew that he was a godly godly man but how about some of these other definitions could you use some more wisdom could you use favor could you use an advantage how about having extraordinary privileges glory to God all of that is wrapped up in the presence of the Lord coming on us and manifesting in our lives Our Father God, He's a loving Father. He desires to give us good things. He desires to bless us and not to harm us. I like this verse over in Psalms 84, 11. This is out of the New King James. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord will give, read it with me, grace and glory. No good thing will He withhold from those who walk uprightly. Is that you? Are you walking uprightly? I didn't say that you're perfect. We aren't perfect other than pastor mentioned this morning. Nobody's perfect, but that his wife was close to it. So, hey, (laughs) what can I say? But (laughs) no, none of us are perfect, but we can walk uprightly. That means we're in right standing with God. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And we're doing our best to walk according to the word of God. That same verse in the NIV says, for the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. I could use that. We can use grace and glory. We can use favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk in blameless, whose walk is blameless. So it says here, he wants to give us good things. Amen. If we will walk in his, walk in his word. He's not the withholder. He's the blesser. And when we let the glory of God be in manifestation in our life, he's going to show up and he's going to show out and it's going to be evident on us. As we were singing that song, PT, show us your glory. You know, there's something about that. When he shows us his glory and when he rests upon us, then there should be a tangible residue of us having been in the presence of the Lord. I'm expecting that we're going to see this more and more as we come together and we worship him or even in your private time when you're just in his presence and you're in his word and you step out of that place that it's going to be tangible on you and people are going to notice just like it was said of Peter and John. What did they say when they threw them in prison for healing the man at the gate called beautiful? They said, 
Hmm. We take note that they have been with Jesus. They have been with him. What were they saying? They must have looked like him. They must have talked like him. We know they act like him. They, they did the signs and the wonders that they saw him perform. And would it be say, could it be said, should it be said of the church that we are a part of? They have been with him. There's evidence in their lives that Jesus is their Lord. He ought to be showing up in our lives. He ought to be showing through our lives. And I believe we're going to hear more and more testimonies of people that maybe haven't, didn't even say anything. But folks coming up to them, what's different about you? Why are you smiling? There's nothing to smile about in the world. Why are you happy? What is that glow on your face? You don't want to say, well, it's this great new cream that I bought. It's just amazing. No. How about the oil of the Holy Ghost? The oil of joy. I've been rubbing it all over me. I'm glowing with him. Pastor read it this morning. What are we supposed to be doing in this day and age? Be a glow and burning with the spirit. Evidence that we have been with him. Now, under the old covenant, God showed them his glory. We read you some of those scriptures last week. He showed them his glory. He manifest himself to them. And under the new covenant, he'll do that as well. But under the new covenant, we're the ones that are supposed to show his glory to the world good friend of ours, Lynn Hammond said this, that the Lord spoke to her and he said this, the way that I bless the world is through the transmission of myself. I transmit myself largely through my body. Just think about that. How does God show himself to the world? He doesn't normally just come down or in a big cloud and, you know, whatever, and speak in an audible voice. Could happen, might happen. But how is the world largely going to see Jesus and his goodness? He's going to transmit himself through you and through me. Point to yourself and say this. I'm a transmitter of God. Of his goodness. Of his glory. Amen. And so if we're going to be in this position. To show forth his glory. Then we have to. We have to lay some things aside in our lives. And we have to be willing to let go. Let God. Let go of some things. Lay aside some weight. So we can come up. We talked about it last week. That we're going to go from one degree of glory to the next. We're in a season right now that there is that calling. Pastor's been doing that series on 
called to and different things that we are called to as a church. But I submit to you that callings are calling and God is calling his people to rise up and to walk in a higher realm and walk in a higher degree of glory. Years ago, in one of Brother Hagen's meetings, a, a woman, a prophetess of God by the name of Jeannie Wilkerson, she's been in heaven many years, but she'd come to Brother Hagen's meetings and she was one of the only people I know of that he trusted to give her the mic and let her speak out what she was saying. So at this particular meeting, he called her up and Jeannie Wilkerson said this, I've seen a vision. My eyes have been opened. And this auditorium is surrounded with horsemen all around this auditorium and Jesus was on one of them and he spoke to her and he said I have come to inspect the troops I've come to inspect the troops he's looking for an army you know that you're part of the Lord's army and when he said I've come to inspect the troops I wonder what he would find When he comes to heart of the bay, first of all, we shouldn't have this many empty chairs in any service. The troops ought to be here. I'll just say, not preaching against you guys. You're here. Hallelujah. Sunday mornings, we're declaring this place is full to overflowing every service. If Jesus is inspecting the troops, what's he looking for? One thing he's looking for is faithfulness. He's looking for the troops to have on the full armor of God. He doesn't want the troops to, you know, their helmets this way and their swords, you know, over here somewhere else and their shield of faith. They can't find it. No. An army ought to know where their gear is. An army ought to be in shape. They ought to be ready. We ought to be on call to do what the Lord is asking us to do. We're the army of the Lord and we are also called the glorious church. The glorious church. What does that mean? We're filled with his presence, his power and his anointing. Years ago, the Lord gave me a title of a message and some of this will be out of that. Not exactly, but about the church. Are we glorious or are we grungy? Are we glorious or are we grungy? I know y'all are the Sunday night crowd, but hopefully somebody else will be listening to this online on the internet that really needs to hear. Because I know you're the glory bunch, right? You're the glorious bunch for sure. I realize that. But he's inspecting the troops. He doesn't want us grungy. He doesn't want us bedraggled. He doesn't want us beat down by life. He has given us the tools to live in victory, to be more than a conqueror, to take up the armor of God, take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Put on the whole armor of God and be who he's called us to be, the army of the Lord, a mighty moving force in the earth today, a force that is taking victory to victory, not defeat to defeat. Amen. So in the book of Ephesians, he talks about several things about the walk of the believer, the wealth of the believer and the warfare 
of the believer, which we just read about is Ephesians chapter six. But I want to look over at Ephesians chapter five tonight, just a few verses out of there. And we will start, we're doing now the new King James. We're going to start with verse 25 because my husband's sitting on the front row. And there might be some other husbands in here that need to hear this. Ephesians 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. Let all the wives say amen. Amen. (laughs) Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word. Verse 27. That he might present her to himself. What kind of a church? A glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that she should be what? Holy and without blemish. He wants a glorious church. Not a grungy church. Not a grumpy church. Not a grouchy church, not a strifey church, not a sicky church, or a brokey church. No. <laughs> Woo! There's a lot of things we could cover in there. But those are the things he does not want. Not grumpy, not grouchy, not strifey, not, what did I say? Sicky, not brokey, not whatever else you can think of. What? No. Not weaky. <laughs> not freaky. There we go. <laughs> Make your own list. Not Lucy. Not Lucy Goosey. Oh boy, that's a good one. Make your own list. But what does he want? A glorious church. Hallelujah. Now this was written in Bible times. And in Bible times, a bride, before she was to present herself to her groom, to her future husband, she had to go through quite a process. I mean, there had to be this cleansing, this purification, all rubbing all these oils, just all of this stuff. Well, guess what, church? We're the bride of Christ. And we need to be serious about presenting ourselves to Him Holy, acceptable, purified. We don't purify ourselves, but we do need to purify ourselves through what? The washing of the word. He just said that, that he might present it to himself. A bride washed through the word of God. That's our part. Take a daily cleansing in the word. We get contaminated with the things that are out there in the world. And sometimes you might come home and say, oh, I need a shower. Well, I'm sure you may need a shower. You might be stinky. You may need a shower. But you also need to have a washing in the word of God and wash off those things that have tried to stick to you. That day, wash off those bad things that you heard at work. Wash off the lies of the enemy with the word of God. Some of you might remember that old commercial, going to wash that gray right out of my hair. What was that? It was Clairol, L'Oreal, something. I know nothing about that, as you can tell. I don't, I don't have. <laughs> That's not really that funny. <laughs> 
Yeah, of course. I probably do have gray hair, but who knows? Who cares? I have no idea what my natural color is. But we <laughs> We got to sometimes we got to wash things out. That's a good thing. You want, you know, a commercial, wash that gray right out of your hair. How about wash those thoughts of doubt and unbelief? Wash those thoughts of fear and strife and bitterness. Wash them out of our thinking, out of our soul with the word of God. There's a cause, church, for us to be sanctified. Yeah, I said sanctified. Sanctified is a Bible term and it means set apart ones. It's not like what I used to hear when I grew up in a little Pentecostal church every Sunday night was testimony service. And some of the saints really were not living like saints. They were living more like ain'ts. But they'd start out every testimony with, I want to thank the Lord that I'm saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. But by the looks on their face and how they lived during the week, I was confused. Really? Are you really sanctified? Are you really filled with the Holy Ghost? 50 years ago, probably doesn't help. And some of their thinking on sanctification was, I don't wear makeup. I'm talking about the ladies here. Guys, you shouldn't be thinking that way anyway. (laughs) Never can tell on this day, but clarification. This was women. I don't wear makeup. I got real long hair. I don't wear pants. I wear real long dresses. And, you know, I'm sanctified. No, Brother Osteen nailed it. He said some people talk about holiness as a thing, that it's an outward deal. All the don'ts. I don't have on any makeup. I got my hair up in a bun. I got on a long dress. But he said they forget this part, that their tongue is long enough to sit in the living room and lick a spoon in the kitchen. That's not sanctification. That's not holiness. No. Sanctification is a work. Boy, that's just, I don't know where I got off on this. Sanctification is a work of the Holy Ghost. Working on someone on the inside. It'll show up on the outside. But sanctified is set apart. Set apart. We want to be the glorious church. We want to set ourselves apart for Him. We want to set our, separate ourselves from the things of this world. It doesn't mean that we are separate from the world. We got to come out from among them, but we have to let our light shine. We're not going to be where we don't touch anybody that's not born again. We don't talk to any. No, but we do need to say, I'm going to come out from among the things of the world. And I'm going to set myself apart unto you. I give you, Lord Jesus. I give you my all. I give you myself, spirit, soul, and body. That I may be well pleasing unto you. Can I get an amen? Amen or oh me or whatever that was. This verse 27, I like how it said here, that he may present her to himself. Just as a bride presents herself to her future husband, the church, we are supposed to present ourselves to the Lord Jesus Christ as living sacrifice. 
Jesus. Those of you that are married, I know everybody has a different story, but on the wedding day, there's always that preparation. There's that commitment that you're going to forsake all others and cleave to your mate and them only. Did y'all make that commitment when you got married? There's a time of, you know, I'm going to get all fixed up and duded up and dressed up. I'm going to look my best for my future husband or my future wife. You've probably heard our story, but since we're on a roll here, we'll, I'll tell you. <laughs> on July 22nd, 1977, in the Assembly of God Church in Skeedy, Oklahoma. Yes, I said Skeedy, Oklahoma, a suburb of the big town of Pawnee, 2,000 people. <laughs> I presented myself to my future husband. And I'll tell you one thing. I didn't come down the aisle in a torn jeans and a ragged t-shirt, even though that might be popular today. That's not how I presented myself. I was covered with ruffles and lace from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. Kind of looked like my big fat Greek wedding, but you know. It was 1977. Lace and ruffles were in. So I was looking my best in the best dress that I could afford. And Pastor Mark was a dreamboat in his new baby blue suit. <laughs> we had just graduated from Rama, so there wasn't a lot of funds. My daddy was a farmer, and he had paid for me to go to Rama and help me during that time. So he didn't have a lot of extra money. He bought my dress, and we had a little, a little, you know, I, people go all out nowadays, but we had a little cake reception with those teeny little mints, you know what, and peanuts. Anyhow, he paid for that. But when it got time to buy my husband's ring, there wasn't a lot of extra money. So this is what I did. Because... I wanted to give my all to my husband. That'll be our attitude about Jesus. You want to give him your all? You want to give him your best? You want to give him your everything? So when we were little, my dad gave all of us a cow. And so we got to start our herd. But you know, I wasn't very diligent about keeping the herd. Every time I wanted to buy something, I'd sell off a cow. (laughs) Car, you know, whatever I needed. So I'd gotten down to all I had left was Flossie the mama. All the babies had been sold. So I'm ready to present myself to my husband. Give him my all. I sold Flossie to buy the wedding ring so that we could get married and present ourselves to one another. We took the necessary actions. Pastor did what he could do to make our our wedding night awesome. Got a hotel room at this beautiful place in Tulsa. We made every effort to have it be the best that we could give to each other. And my point is this. We are to present our best to our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords. Is he worthy? Should we give him our all? Do you know that not only are we the bride of Christ, but he lives in us. We're the temple 
of the living God. Over in Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19 and 20, I want to read you this. Do you not know that you, that your body is the temple, the very sanctuary, this is the amplified, of the Holy Spirit who lives in you, whom you have received as a gift from God. You are not your own. You are bought with a price. You are purchased with a preciousness and paid for, made his own. So then honor God and bring glory to him in your body. It's not just about our spirit. Our spirit is the temple of the living God. He lives in our spirit. But this says he lives in your body. We're carrying him around in this earth suit. And so we need to honor him with where we go, what we do, what we say, what what we watch. Be careful. I'm going all the way back to Sunday school tonight. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. Be careful, little feet, where you go. Be careful, little hands, what you do. There's a father up above looking down in tender love. And he's seeing everything we say. He's hearing everything we say. He's seeing what we do. He's not setting up there with a big fly swatter to say, Pastor Tom, I was just waiting for you to mess up. (laughs) Splat. You're gone. No. But he wants us out of honor and love and respect for him to present ourselves a living sacrifice unto him. Amen. We are the temples of the Holy Ghost. We are the temples of glory. And this house that we live in should be dedicated and devoted unto him. I found this scripture over in First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 27. Glory and honor are in his presence. Strength and gladness are in his place. Glory and honor. Strength and gladness are in his place. Everybody point to yourself again and say this. My body body is His. It is the temple of the Holy Ghost. This is His place. I give Him glory. I give Him honor. Even with my physical body. Amen. It said that. Strength and gladness are in His place. What about this building? This building is his place. Dedicated unto him. Dedicated unto bringing him glory and honor. Dedicated under worshiping and magnifying and exalting his name. This temple, in this temple, doth everyone speak of his glory. Lift your hands and say glory three times. Glory, glory, glory. In this temple, we speak of his 
glory in this temple we give him glory and we are believing to see greater degrees of glory in this temple and in this temple we are believing before him to show himself in a mightier fashion I like this account over in John at the tomb of Lazarus. You know what happened? Lazarus had died and Jesus didn't get there till three days after he was already in the tomb. And his sister and his sisters were upset. Lord, if you'd been here, he wouldn't have died. But Jesus said, take me to his tomb. They get out there and he says, roll the stone away. And Martha says, oh, Lord, you know, he stinketh by now. But this is what Jesus said to her in John chapter 11, verse 40. He said to her, Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Martha was concerned about them taking away the stone because he stinketh. You may have some stinky areas in your life, but if you will believe and let the power of the Most High and the glory of the Lord into those areas of your life, you can be stinky free. Hallelujah. You can be bondage free. If you will believe, you will see the glory of the Lord in manifestation in your individual lives. We, as a church, corporately, we are believing to see greater glory in manifestation. Can I get an amen? Can I get an agreement? We've been talking about this, folks. I've read you prophecies by Brother Kenneth Hagin, by Smith Wigglesworth. We are on the edge of what they saw in their hearts. We're there. We're here. The time is now. We have to contend for it. We have to present ourselves as living sacrifice and pay the price. The price is not greater than the reward. What is the price? The price is that we will get on our knees and we will pray. We'll rearrange our schedule if necessary to get to church, to get to the prayer meetings. We'll do what we know to do in our individual lives so that we can go higher together as a church. If you believe. Everybody say, I'm a believer. And I believe that we shall see greater glory in manifestation. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord, we're believing it. We are believing it. That we are the Jodabasoboruta. We are the glorious church. Hallelujah. We are full of your glory.